Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. The Philadelphia Parking Authority has a new director. What does he have planned for the agency going forward? From bike lane and parking enforcement to funding Philly schools, we'll check in with the PPA to find out. We have a dense city, very populated, cars, bikes, pedestrians. How do we kind of work with all stakeholders, our folks in the city, our folks with the state, and kind of come up with good programs that we can address growing needs? It's Pride Month in Philly. Charity Howard tells us all about it. I think this year we wanted to really lift up the intention around Pride, being more of a resource festival, not just a celebration in the streets. That's all coming up on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Whenever we get the chance, we like to catch up with guests that we visited with in the past. And when the Philadelphia Parking Authority announced a new director, we wanted to make sure that we caught up with the PPA to find out what the new director has in mind for the agency going forward. We also wanted to pair him with a community member who wants to see changes implemented and fairness to all with regards to how the PPA operates. Should be a fun and informative discussion. Joining us today is Rich Laser. He is the new executive director of the Philadelphia Parking Authority. Also with us is John Geating. He's director of engagement for the nonprofit Political Action Committee, Philadelphia 3.0. Welcome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, Rich, before we get into red light cameras, bike paths, parking tickets, all the things that we love to talk about when it comes to the PPA, let's talk about what brings you to the authority. Now, I know that you were Mayor Kenny's former deputy of labor, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah, I've been in the city for 18 years in several different roles. Uh, last was deputy mayor for labor, and I did a lot of work with SEPTA, the Philadelphia Parking Authority, and the Port of Philadelphia. So I have a lot of uh, interaction with those different agencies. Okay, sounds good. And John, I know that you've been very active in community, uh, involved with SEPTA's institutional past program, Free Rides for Kids Under 12, uh, Philly Free Streets. You're very involved with the community, kind of trying to make sure everything is fair. What's your motivation there? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of the issues that have to do with quality of life in the city come down to how we manage a lot of the different pieces of the transportation system. And, you know, part of that's transit, but a big part of it's our street network, too. And uh, parking kind of sits behind all that, sometimes in very visible ways, sometimes in invisible ways. And the way things are kind of set up here, it's, uh, you know, you've got the city in charge of some things, but then you've got like the parking authority 
as like a separate agency and in charge of some of these things. But they really have a big role to play in, you know, pedestrian safety, traffic congestion and, and things like that. So it's something to pay attention to. But I know the people concerned about transportation don't always kind of look at the parking authority as like the place to try to make changes. Okay, sounds good. Now, Rich, I'm going to ask you this question. hope you don't think it's unfair, but I wanted to know what you would say uh, is the city's biggest gripe with the PPA. I think that we're effective and efficient. I oh, think, really? I do. <laughs> no. I think our people, I mean, we have over 250 ticket writers out there all day, you know, working on safety violations, trying to keep our bike lanes clear, working on meter parking, towing and impoundment. I think our folks, they're they're out there and they're widely seen. They're probably the most recognized public servant and they work very hard. But, you know, getting a ticket is not the most favorite thing for Philadelphians to receive. Uh, Of course, I can attest to that. Um, John, is he right? Yeah, I think that's right. You know, we've recently uh, been through a big debate over parking in Fishtown where I run the Neighbors Association. And, you know, people have a lot of different opinions about mm-hmm. this, obviously. Nobody loves hearing about the idea that the, like, the PPA might be in the neighborhood, you know, writing tickets if we were to, like, manage parking on some of our corridors. But then, like, you know, you also have people who are concerned about parking in the crosswalks, uh, people trying to load and unload in the middle of the street because we're not managing the parking. And so... You know, we were able to get that done, you know, manage parking on Frankfurt and Gerard with Rich's help and our council people's help. But I think it required kind of bringing it back to, like, the reason, like, why do we do all this? It's because we're trying to keep traffic free flowing. We're trying to have places for people to park. The parking tickets are an unfortunate kind of consequence, like, downstream of all that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have to kind of keep bringing it back to why we do all this in the first place. Okay. So, Rich, you would say this is all about safety, even the parking? Yeah, I think it, most of it is about safety, definitely. And I think a lot of things we tried to focus on recently is like quality of life issues. Yeah. So I think it's helping the city with the abandoned auto issue. We get a lot of complaints. Our folks actually are going out in neighborhoods to try to enforce abandoned auto. And we're actually getting a lot of love from folks in communities because they're, they're saying that a car has been there for a year. And now we're finally going out there and taking it. We're partnering with the city there. We're working with SEPTA to try to continue to keep bus lanes open uh, so that buses can move freely um, and safe. And a big push, which was before I got there, we finally rolled it out, is the bike patrol. Have our officers actually go the bike network like Philadelphians do every day and keep them open and free-flowing. So I think it's really about public safety. And then another big piece that we're focusing big on that's been extremely successful is the speed cameras on Roosevelt Boulevard. Okay. And there's been a drastic cut in crashes and in um, speeding. Definitely want to get into that. A couple of things that you mentioned there that I do want to uh, zoom in Mm -hmm. on and explore uh, even more. But uh, I want to stay on the parking for a little bit because I think every motorist in Philadelphia can uh, attest to, you know, getting a parking ticket. Okay, And as we're saying that it's mostly about safety, some would argue, especially when you're talking about parking in a metered space and you pay for the space. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you get the little notification on your cell phone and you're thinking, oh, I have time, let me go ahead and re-up. This has happened to me, okay? So I'm just going to full transparency. It's happened to me on a couple of occasions where I see the little notification. I go, oh, let me hurry up and get in there. And then I re-up. And then I go down before it expires and I have a ticket, which means to me someone is there or some entity, some magical place, (laughs) electronic place is saying as soon as this expires, she's getting a ticket. So to me, that's like, wow, does it have to be that aggressive? And I think I'm probably echoing the sentiments of a lot of people who park in the city, right? I mean, is that a little aggressive? I think it depends. I think our folks are out there working different beats. So they walk, we we break up the beats in front of the city. Now we're with residential parking programs. We're all over. Mm. I think the goal is 
to try to communicate better with the public. I think that's one thing I've been really working on. So if a situation does happen, how do you communicate with us and not have this bureaucratic mess? So whether it's through social media, through our phone line, our email system, and a situation like that, I mean, are errors going to happen? Yes, errors are going to happen. We're a big agency, over a thousand employees. But I think it's how we communicate with the public and how accessible we are when people have issues. So I think that's our goal that we're really working on is how we communicate and how you experience with us is easier to deal with the agency than before. Okay. What do you say to that, John? Yeah, it's obviously very annoying to get a parking ticket. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've gotten many parking tickets in my life, especially like, you know, if you have uh, expired registration ones, like, you know, that comes out of the blue, like you didn't even think you were, you know, uh, vulnerable. And then like all of a sudden, you know, you get an envelope. Um, It's not fun. I, I do like how things have been progressing toward letting people pay on their phone and mm-hmm. add more time on their mm-hmm. phone and stuff, yeah. you know, for, I think, I don't know if everybody knows this, but like a lot of the like parking meters that are around on like neighborhood corridors are until recently, I don't know how many are left, but a lot of them have been those, uh, just like the old school ones where you put the quarter right. in and everything. And for something like that, you know, if you're trying to eat in a restaurant or, you know, you're down a ways away, you can't like add more time with a quarter in, in those, but now there's more options for, being able to like add more time and things like that. So I hope okay. that over time, you know, it's easier for people to like avoid tickets right. by like taking advantage of those things. But we also still, you know, not everybody has a smartphone. There's also trouble with making sure everybody can take advantage of, of those things. And so, you know, definitely a tricky problem. Which is the PPA trying to change the way it deals with the public? Are you trying to improve on customer service? Yeah, I think that's one big goal I'd love to have is how we interact with the members of the public, how we communicate, and how folks communicate with us. So yeah. when even at Ninth and Filbert, when you go down to either get a payment agreement or contest a ticket, I want to try to make that process seamless. I mean, people are going to be angry when they come down there because they're fighting a ticket right. or they're yeah. trying. But like, it should be smooth once they get there. We shouldn't have this lag or a bureaucratic kind of like debacle. It mm-hmm. should be come in and kind of like how PennDOT is now where you have different counters and you get a number and you and you move pretty quickly. So we're trying to look at that system uh, for our, our work as well. Do you read the PPA complaint board? Sometimes. 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 Okay. I read it this morning and I'm not going – I was going to read some of them. I'll just reference what some of them were about. But right now it's at zero to – two. At zero of 25 complaints resolved. But I have to say for a big city, 25 is not horrific. Right. Right. So I'm sure it's been higher before. Um, But the complaint board, mostly parking tickets, uh, people being ticketed for having expired registration, but it wasn't really expired. And a couple of people mentioned, oh, I have a, I was a racist uh, ticket writer and didn't like the way I looked. You know, all kinds of complaints. What do you do with those complaints when you read them on the complaint board? Is there a purpose for that? Yeah, I always try to look. I mean, because I started out in government service as a constituent service rep in city council. So I we always would, you know, that's kind of how I kind of cut my teeth. Mm-hmm. So my thought is, oh, I like to look at that stuff. I like to look at our Twitter account and see people responding to us. So then I can like follow up and say, well, what happened here? And how are we responding? And how are we getting to folks quickly? What I like to do is you may not solve the issue right away, but I always want to connect with that person or have somebody connect with that person quickly so they know we're looking at it and they're not – in oblivion and thinking that nobody cares about their issue. Okay. That's definitely progress, yes. I have to say. Being yeah. responsive is key. Yeah. you know, And there's an issue where, like, the PPA is never going to be, like, a beloved city agency. You know, like, I don't think that's, like, an achievable goal. But it doesn't mean that the customer service experience has to suffer as a result of that or that, like, they can't do more to, like, make it easier to get the kind of services that people want. You know, parking tickets 
to one side. You know, people also need to do things like get uh, guest passes, you know, when your mom or dad is in town. And today you have to, like, go down to the office uh, to get those. You can't do it online. There's, like, a lot of, like, ways that things could be easier mm-hmm. for the customers. And, you know, this is uh, – Rich is new, so uh, this is not we're, – we're, we're, we're almost he, there. We're almost there ready to be able to pull guest passes online without having to go okay. down the A Street. So Bre- we're breaking some news. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, – we're, we're close. Great. Yeah, All close. right. Getting close. That's good. <laughs> That's good. And then there's other stuff like, yeah, the residential permit in general. Those are, like, been on paper. You know, now they're, I think, automated yeah. licensed. Yeah. Plate readers. I've heard some like issues with that, with like people getting ticketed who like shouldn't have. I think you know as the yeah. switch to technology happens, there's more room for you know mistakes and things like that. But like in general, I think there's room to improve the customer service experience. Even though like at the end of the day, people like still aren't gonna right. love the PPA. Sure. Sure. A good analogy is how the police have done like the no savesies campaigns during the winter like not everybody loves that campaign some people really like you know savesies but it gets a lot of engagement people think it's funny i think there's maybe like an analogy between that and some of the like safety moves that have like you know even though people are not gonna love the agency they like some of the things that they're doing like i've heard from some council people about the like tractor trailer parking issue on like neighborhood streets like residents go crazy over that stuff wanting to get those things out right for a while it had seemed like the attitude was, we can't do anything about this. We're just, like, totally powerless. So it seems like there's a few areas to make people happier uh, than they are. Okay, well, that's progress, like I said, so that is good to hear. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 103.9 FM. Now, Rich, I do want to go back to something that you were talking about, and that's the bike lanes. I know you're big on this right now, yep. and you are definitely enforcing this. Talk about that. How long has this been a problem? I mean, John probably has been working on this for a long time. I know uh, uh, Secretary Schmidt, when he was a board member, has been pushing this. But I think it's been a few years. The Bicycle Coalition has been a great partner with us in this, and I think they've been working on this for close to 10 years to yeah. continue to push. So that's why I think having our officers on bikes actually ride routes in throughout the city, specifically where the bike lanes are concentrated in Center City, University City, and South Philadelphia. And I'd like to expand that program and grow it so we can also work on safety violations, fire hydrant and, and ramp, blocking of ramps. I think these are big issues for us. It also goes back to what I said about kind of communicating and being a kind of a better partner. Uh, is also kind of seeing what constituent issues are, what problems are growing in the city. We have a dense city, very populated, cars, bikes, pedestrians. How do we kind of work with all stakeholders, mm-hmm. um, our folks in the city, our folks with the state, and kind of come up with good programs that we can address growing needs? Because things are going to constantly continue to evolve, and mm-hmm. I want to make sure that the agency evolves along with those needs. And the bike, I think the bike enforcement's a good key on that because that's something we should have done. And now that we're doing it, we should continue to expand that to make sure that we're making sure bicyclists can travel the city safely. Right. So let's talk about exactly what you're doing and how many tickets have been written. Uh, and, you know, what's the cost of a ticket for blocking a bike lane? I believe it's 
fifty-one dollars in okay. Center City University, and no, I'm sorry, seventy-six dollars, okay. and then fifty-one in in South Philadelphia. So it's more money in Center City and University than in, in South Philadelphia. Usually in the Center City and University, the tickets are a little more money. Mm-hmm. And then when you get out in more neighborhood areas, they're they're a little lower, depending on the violation. So hundreds of thousands of tickets have been yeah. written over the years. What is the main problem? Is it the signage or people just think I that? Think, I think people think maybe I'm going to try to get away with it. I mean, a lot yeah. of times it's contractors or uh, they're kind of parking in a bike lane. A lot of that's a big issue. Some people just parking in bike lanes and or idling in a bike lane and that's where our folks kind of continue to ride those routes and go up to, you know, have people continue to move. Or if they're parked in the lane, you know, we'll issue them a violation. Right, right. And people can get towed, of course. Uh, well, they get towed if they're in a no, if they're in the tow zone. It'll usually say that on the sign, okay. so people know are aware of that. So not all areas are tow zones. And John, of course, this seems to be about safety, obviously. Yeah, it is about safety. You know, I bike around my kids, and it's definitely, you know, pretty unnerving when you have to like go around parked cars in the bike lane into traffic and mix with that. Going back to the the point from earlier about how, you know, there's kind of mixed governance of this stuff. There's right. PPA, there's, there's city council. Um, you know, I want to, where I empathize with a lot of motorists is that there is a need for more short-term loading options, yeah. you know, especially yeah. with like all the like e-commerce and deliveries and stuff. There's and, and construction, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the poor construction workers, mm-hmm. you know, like where are they going to park? It all kind of comes back from like a failure to manage the curb parking lanes as they exist. You know, we, I think it would, in Center City these days, it would probably be smart to have a couple of loading zones on every block. So when people do need to pull over for loading purposes or, or whatever, uh, that they're mm-hmm. able to do that and not block a bike lane. But that's a tough conversation because that means you're getting into like the overnight parking issue where like, you know, residents are parking there overnight and then, you know, they don't want to hear that we're going to have like two fewer, you know, kind of long-term parking spaces on on each block. But mm-hmm. it's something where I think, you know, the city council needs to kind of take more of a look at this and look at the bigger picture on it. Because the goal, I think, is like, you know, I'm a bike person here, but I don't want to see people getting parking tickets all the time. Like it doesn't make me happy to see people getting parking tickets. My hope is that this is kind of like a short to medium-term state while we do other things like get more loading zones or uh, protect you know, the bike lanes mm-hmm. so that they're not, um, you know, so easy to, like, pull into. That's what I would like to see. Cars with no plates on yes. the streets. Yes. You know, I didn't even realize that, uh, you know, this was such a huge problem. Talk about that. I mean, I guess people are just trying to avoid getting tickets. Yeah, so that's a big issue. So the ghost plate issue was something that we actually was – we were getting a lot of complaints through our online uh, social media handles, also through our phone system where we were having folks – and it's kind of where they take their plate off and they cover the VIN. So there's no really way to identify. Mm. And a lot of times they do it too because they're parked illegally, whether they're blocking a crosswalk on a pavement. Uh, that's a big issue of a lot of it. So we're parking in front of a fire hydrant. So we've been investigating those issues. We got a, most of them are coming from complaints from residents. So then we have our um, PEOs go out these and look for and look at the vehicles now. And then we'll if it's covered and the plate's off, we will tow the vehicle. Um, if the plate's okay. off and there's just a VIN, we will just write a ticket for no plate. But we're having that issue along with in our red light camera. And I know PennDOT's having an issue with that with the turnpike and other spots where people are taking plates off mm-hmm. to avoid, you know, either easy pass or, or a camera violation systems. But since we've been attacking this issue in the beginning of um, February, we've seen it kind of drop. The complaints okay. haven't been coming as much. So I think the messaging 
also was that we're going to be looking for this. So I think, it, and we used different ways to do it, whether it was, you know, through the, we, the Inquirer did a nice piece on it. We did a lot of, a lot of social around it. And I think it really helped to kind of put that in people's head that we're out there looking. The last time I visited uh, with the PPA, I made a joke, or actually you guys laughed at me because, you know, I'm from Jersey. And uh, when I first started parking here or driving around here, I found myself, and it's funny, behind what I thought was a lane of cars at a red light. And I had to real I realized that I'm sitting in the middle of the street behind cars that are parked. Mm-hmm. Nobody's in the car. <laughs> so so it, it was just like a Philly thing. I was told it's a Philly thing. This Philly thing, is that going to be allowed to continue? I'll put it that way. I think it's back kind of what John said. I think it's we have to really look at the curb management and how mm. we do things. I mean, we have to look at having more loading zones because we do have an influx of folks taking uh, TNCs, like Uber and Lyft. We have uh, PS yeah. and FedEx and, and U.S. Post Office delivering. We have delivery drivers, just people dropping off their kids at daycare. So I think that – and the city, the curbs aren't getting any bigger. So mm-hmm. we got to figure out how do we manage it. And I think that's really a collaborative effort with stakeholders, city government, but also SEPTA and PennDOT. Okay. I think it's all people. I think we got to stop. Like a lot of times you people – and John always says that we get like a silo and kind of like everybody's managing. Kind of how do we come together and figure out where we overlap and work together to come up with solutions. Okay. Yeah. The speed camera thing on the boulevard is like a pretty great example yeah. of that. Yeah. The goal is not to write thousands of tickets. It's to, to change the behavior. Uh, my favorite stat from – that was that uh, after the speed cameras went in, uh, I think it was the tickets were down mm-hmm. 93% uh, or something in that range yeah. uh, on the boulevard um, because people stopped speeding. Exactly. Know, I mean, it, the speeding, decrease in speeding dropped 88.5% since June of 2020, so when the cameras were installed. Oh, okay. You know, I, I do have to uh, mention that at our last mayoral forum, all of the candidates agreed with more uh, red light uh, camera enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, so that must mean that it is pretty effective. Yeah. Will we be seeing more of that? So red light cameras right now, we have the authority working with city and PennDOT to look at intersections that are dangerous, go off data, and we can go through a process to add more red light cameras. Mm-hmm. The speed camera program right now is only on the boulevard and is set to sunset in December. So we're working with our local folks delegation here and the state to re-up that program and to have it follow the same process as Red Light where we can look at data, work with PennDOT in the city to then expand that program as well because it's been extremely successful and people, you know, lives have been saved because of it. Yeah. Uh, the boulevard, you said that's going to sunset in December. Would you, would you find that the boulevard is probably one of the more problem areas within the city as far as speeding yeah, and with lights. Exactly. It was an extremely dangerous street. Um, I'm from Philadelphia, so I've traveled it a lot. Uh, and it's, a, it's dangerous. And this, this program has really made it a lot safer for people to travel. So we want to continue this program so that it can continue to have that positive effect. Mm-hmm. Now, past audits have shown that the PPA allegedly had an inflated workforce with higher salaries and political patronage jobs within the organization, as well as possibly a lack of transparency. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, I don't know. I, my thing is how we work now. I mean, our our people work extremely hard. But all that, I mean, we've done a lot with our posting of our positions. We have interview panels. We have testing. So there's a bigger, and this is before, I'm not going to take this, the, the prior person had put a lot of this in and the board had put a lot of this in where there's a process to be hired uh, and there's posting so everybody can apply. We do a lot more uh, public posting and positions. What would you say to that, John? Would you like to see the PPA more transparent? 
Yeah, I think so. There's an issue that former board member Al Schmidt mm-hmm. had, had brought up, too, about making it so that uh, just like with like the city administration, uh, employees there can't be like ward leaders and, and committee people. You know, I think that was aimed at uh, some of the, the patronage issues that have come up over the years. The political situation is so interesting because it's only recently kind of turned over to majority Democratic control after a long time. It's kind of been like a Republican uh, patronage operation for a long time since the state Republicans kind of grabbed control over the the governance of the PPA many years ago. I don't want to say that democratic control like automatically means that things are going to be different there, but I think that there are like steps like that that we can kind of take to start to depoliticize it, make hiring fairer and open it up a little bit more. Well, as we are uh, winding down here, Rich Laser, I'm going to give you the final word. Um, what is it that you would like the city of Philadelphia to know about the PPA? What, do you, what impression do you want them to leave on them? I think the biggest thing is, is how we interact with the public and show that we're not just going to be the folks that are out there writing tickets because your mirror's expired. It's also about doing these quality of life issues, red light camera, speed camera, but also the issues in the neighborhood with tractor trailer parking enforcement and abandoned auto enforcement. And I think that is the key and that we want to communicate with you better and be able to come and deal with us and make sure that we are serving the needs of the city. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Rich Laser, Executive Director of the Philadelphia Parking Authority. John Geating with uh, Philadelphia 3.0. Thank you so much for joining us today on Bridging Philly. Great to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. It's Pride Month in the City of Brotherly Love. What cool events are in store? Let's find out from Shara Day Howard with the latest Shara in the City. I want to start growing this so that we celebrate 365 days a year. Terrell Brown, Executive Director at Galais, says if anyone is asking, yes, Pride is back and bigger than ever. For a second year in a row, Galais, a historic organization serving queer, trans, black, brown, indigenous, and people of color for programming the March and Festival under the banner of Pride 365. What have you guys whipped up? I think this year we wanted to really lift up the intention around Pride, being more of a resource festival, not just a celebration in the streets, but celebrating our advocacy and celebrating ourselves authentically by making sure that tangible resources were there. So this year we have six stages. Okay, so six stages and something special, a surprise. We have a main stage, the music stage, where we have uh, Sway Philly that will be there revving the crowd up. We have uh, Boss Philly that will be there as well. Also at the beginning of that stage, there are two uh, performers from the Moulin Rouge that is here in town that will be opening that stage as well around 12.45. And some new additions. A couple of new sections we added. By Larcon Amor, our Latinx initiative and youth and family is back bigger than ever. Uh, Icon Ebony Fears, our fabulous SPLAT program manager in conjunction with Big Brothers Big Sisters, William Way, Attic Youth, so many other, Philly Family Pride, they're all coming together to make that a really, really amazing space. Um, Legacy Lane. Legacy Lane is really important. So I had always had this idea of there being a queer history museum. Right. You know, we have Jewish American History Museum, very important. We have a Black History Museum, very important, obviously. We have the Civil War Museum. Why don't we have a queer history museum? We've done so many amazing things 
as a broad community and we still are doing them now today there's still more to come coming forward especially as we face the challenges that we do now this is only more of an opportunity for our leadership to rise to the occasion and people that are not seen to rise to the occasion so legacy lane is going to be very important in a festival it's the heart of the festival i think is not just lifting up leaders of the past that we traditionally know, but also community members that were heroes to somebody in the community. And we're encouraging everyone to also bring a legacy with you or leave a legacy by signing your name on the installation that will be in the back of that. And to make sure that if it's happening in Philadelphia, Sharaday Howard uh, we most likely knows Hart, all William about White it. Center and the archives there. And this is the first installation of it. So we have something like 180 volunteers this year. It shows people that community wants to support community. Hey, everybody's and out here trying to do a little something to that's add. coming up something, on Bridging right? It's cathartic because it's like, yeah, am I not dancing in the crowd? Well, I am, but I have a volunteer shirt on. Like, So people want to serve. Um, and I think that's really important. And then also Ebony is running our youth and family stage, but also co-curating the stage over at the Frankie Bradley stage in Kiki Alley. So Jorian is running multiple spaces. So the sober space that we're bringing back this year as well. Miss Sober 2022 and the troupe from 2023 will be there to perform. And then also Jorian is doing the Pop Wellness Tent because that's a pop initiative. Right. Diamond is making sure to shepherd the march through the streets. We have a 200-foot pride flag that will be in the march. So it is the possibly the biggest pride flag in Philadelphia history. Illyria will be doing all of our socials that day because they have that's the a big job. personal I didn't match a big job. There's so many organizations that like I'm just proud of to like lift up that day that lifted me up. You know, William Way, Mazzoni, Babaji, The Attic, um, Philly Family Pride, Philly Fight, Act Up Philadelphia, right. BLCC, you name it. And Everyone came together, and I want people to really think about what Pride Month looks like in Philadelphia. We traditionally have said to ourselves in Philadelphia that Pride is the weekend, right? It's nationally recognized as Pride Month. Philadelphia is a city of first. There is no reason why we can't lift our platform to rise to the occasion very much like other cities have and have things each week, each organization, each dreamer out here, QT, BIPOC, uh, Latinx, black and brown folks that are queer in the city that are tastemakers. So many pieces that are coming and converging together, not to mention the restaurants and bars that are down there that really also are trusting this vision, seeing that there was power behind it, mm -hmm. but also seeing that there was like a tangible yield of good. The PGN, girl. And what to you stands out this year? Bringing together resources that'll get into people's hands that day. So like caseworkers that will be there, assistance with things that are tangible, housing, healthcare, you name it. And this year planning, you really had evolution in mind and you said that this really was a community effort. Everybody is involved in a way that I haven't seen before. The fun begins Sunday, June 4th with the Pride March starting at 6th and Walnut Streets, followed by the Pride Festival in the neighborhood from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. See you there. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter, at Bridging Philly, at Raquel on Air, and at Shara Day. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. For Sharaday Howard and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well. <laughs>